Thank you for tuning in to the Victory is Greater Than the Struggle, an ex-lesbian podcast with myself, your host, Jessica Newsom. All right, so today I'm so excited to share this word. I was reading um, uh, a couple of scriptures in the, uh, well, a couple of chapters in the book of John, and man, it just hit me. And I was like, this is fire. I have got to share with you guys. So in a nutshell, we all struggle with sin. We all struggle with things that we need to remove ourselves from, things that just call us and entice us. And sometimes we fall and then we condemn ourselves and we try to just do better over and over and over again. Sometimes we find ourselves in this vicious cycle of sin and just repeating it and we can't seem to get ourselves out of it. And so our pastor, Stephen Furtick, did the phenomenal message on the Lazarus effect last week. And when I was reading this right here, I was like, yo, this is the Judas effect. Now, when it comes down to homosexuality, when it comes down to any sin, but specifically, I talk about homosexuality because that's what God brought me out of. And that's what I'm here to share with you guys, with many people who contact me to say, Jessica, I am struggling with this thing. God is calling me out of it, but I need some help. I need someone to walk with me. This message is for you and anyone else who struggles with whatever it is, okay? So this is what I call the Judas effect, okay? And just put yourself in this situation. So um, we're going to John chapter 12, four through six. So Jesus is at Bethany, right? And he's hanging out with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, okay? And so they're all hanging out. And what happens is, um, who is it? It is, okay, Martha. No, Mary. Okay, so Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume, verse 3, from Essence of Nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. Okay, and the house was filled with the fragrance. This is what I want you to listen to. Verse 4, but Judas the disciple who would soon betray him said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now, looking at this, okay, this has nothing to do with it, which is like, why would Jesus even put him in charge of the money? That is like, I have no idea why, okay? That in itself is another sermon, okay? But when it comes down to this, you can look at Judas's heart, right? He looks at this thing that that Mary is doing from the depths of her heart because something is going on on the inside of her and she wants to anoint and bless Jesus and he's looking at it from a different perspective, right? Through the eyes of 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 something that's not necessarily pure in his life. In his heart, he is a thief, right? In our hearts, we have sins that we um, hold on to, that we like, that we don't like, and we're trying to get rid of, right? These things are are, are just on the inside of us because we... Um, We've grown up with this proclivity towards them, maybe voluntarily or involuntarily. Uh, maybe it was generational curses, whatever the case is, okay? We are wrapped in sin and then we say yes to God, right? There's a Savior who, who loves us in spite of our sins. And now he's walking us to this place where we are free from our sin, right? We are already in right standing with God when we say yes to Jesus, but we have to walk this thing out, right? We have to learn 
learn how to uh, uh, allow and take off the chains of sins, the, the, the chains of bondage, and be free from those things and walk free in Christ Jesus, not being bound to those things anymore. And this is a lifelong process. I'm not saying that every sin you struggle with will be a lifelong process. There are things that will drop off. Amen. And there's things that may take seasons to, to get rid of, right? Okay. And so in this, we're looking at Judas and we're seeing his heart, right? His heart is not positioned where it needs to be. Okay. It doesn't mean that Jesus is like, well, you aren't going to be a disciple anymore because you aren't perfect. Not at all. Right. Jesus is like, I'm called, I, I called Judas to myself. I called you to myself. I called Jessica to myself, right? In your imperfectness, right? God calls you to himself, but he wants to walk us to a place of freedom. He wants us to change our mindset. He wants our hearts to change and to be lined up with the heart of the father. Okay. So, and this is the process that we walk out in our daily lives, but it's a struggle. So we look at Judas, okay? And his heart is not positioned right. And he says, hey, that could have been sold. We could have given that to the poor. But in his heart of hearts, he's like, yeah, we could have given it to the poor, but I would have taken some of that money. That's a that's a lot of money that I could have used for X, Y, and Z. Okay, so we look at Judas's heart and we see that it's not where it needs to be. So let's go to John 13, 2. John 13, 2, it says this. <clears throat> It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Issachar, to betray Jesus. So in this part right here, the devil had already prompted Judas. The way I look at this, when it talks about if if we're look if if we're looking at our daily lives, okay, um, the way I look at this is the devil prompted Judas, but this is after he refused to change. After Judas refused to repent and turn from sin, right? I'm not saying that it wasn't a struggle, but clearly, right? He kept giving into this situation. He kept giving into this sin, right? He was a thief and the devil prompted him. That's exactly what the devil does to each and every one of us, right? Before the prompt, there was conviction to change. And before conviction to change, there was a savior who loved you in spite of your shortcomings. So me, someone who in the beginning, right, struggle with homosexuality, God calls me to himself, right? And he says, that's not you. This is who you are. And he's just letting you know who you are in him. And he wants those chains to be broken off of our lives. They're broken, right? But so often we keep picking them back up and putting them on. And God's like, I'm going to start convicting you, right? I'm going to start lovingly convicting you to, to, to turn from that sin. There are going to be warnings, right? Before we jump into the act of sin, we are always warned by the father. We're always warned by conviction, but do we follow that conviction? That's the thing. And if we choose to continue to ignore the conviction that God is giving to us out of love, the devil will just continue to pull us into his grasps, uh, his, into his grasp. And so we end up being prompted by the devil, just that stronger prompt to do this thing, this very thing that we don't want to do. And so if we go to, uh, verse 10, 
it says this. <clears throat> Jesus replied. Okay, well, first let me tell you the backstory. So Jesus is with his disciples and he's washing his disciples' feet, okay? And he's just ministering to them, telling them, hey, he's about to leave and so he needs to do this. He's telling, he's telling them that you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will, right? And so he's telling them the importance of him washing their feet. And so in this, in verse 10, Jesus is saying this. He's saying a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. So back in the day when Jesus is hanging out with them, right? They have on these sandals, right? They have on these little flip flops, right? And their feet are all dusty and dirty from walking around all the time. They clean their bodies in the morning if they clean in the morning, right? So they're they're clean from their head down, but their feet are continuously getting dirty. So they have to continuously wash them, right? We are purified. We are in right standing with Christ Jesus, right? We are God. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of us, right? But as we walk out this life that we have to live, we are always confronted with sin. We are always confronted with temptation. We are always confronted with the very thing that we're trying to get rid of, right? From our, from our past, from, from, from lying, from, from, um, adultery, right? From pornography, from masturbation, from homosexuality, from drug use, right? We are turning from that sin and we're walking towards Jesus. But there's times in our life on a daily basis when we are tempted and confronted by that sin and, and the and the enemy is enticing us saying, hey, come on, just a little bit. It's not going to hurt, right? Just come back. I want you back. It's going to be good, right? And so this is something that we have to deal with. So we always have to just wash ourselves with the water. Of, of, of the word of God, right? And so the Bible is here for us to just continue to renew it, uh, continue to renew our mind so that we um, begin to believe what the Bible says about us, what the Bible says God uh, can do in our life instead of believing the tactic of the enemy, which twists the word of God that says that that basically says, you know, God can't do it. God isn't going to change you. Look at your situation. Look at your circumstances. But the word says, we don't look at our situation. We don't look at our circumstances. We look to the King of Kings. We look to the Lord of Lords. And what does God say about us? God says, wait, don't be tempted by the stuff that's to the left and to the right, but focus your eyes on Jesus. Focus your eyes on the one who, who is there to guide you and keep you free and keep you changed, right? And so in that, we always have to daily wash ourselves with the word of God. So many of us are not doing that, right? We aren't spending that time with God. We aren't, we aren't, uh, worshiping God, right? I'm not talking about just on Sundays. I'm talking about this is a daily way to live. Every day we should be doing this. For me, it's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning. By nighttime, I am done. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I'm a morning person. So this is what I do in the morning and it fuels me up so that I can conquer the day, so that I can overcome the tactics of the enemy that try to drag me down, those lies that 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 false thing theology, that, that, that false hope, all those things that the enemy tries to tell me to pull me back. I'm no longer ignorant 
to those things. I'm no longer ignorant to the words of the enemy. I now have the word of God and I have clarity so that I don't say yes to the sin. I can continue to say, you know what? Greater is he who is in me than he who is of this world, right? I have peace. I have love. I have joy. And anything that the devil offers is nothing but a copycat of those things. It's a figment of those things. And you know what? It is nothing. It is nothing but pain and sorrow and, and torment. And I know what that looked like. And I was in it. I don't want to go back to that again. So I push forward towards the mark, right? Every time I stumble, I get back up and I keep moving forward. I don't let condemnation, uh, uh, rule me, right? I let conviction guide me. Okay. And so I think that we have to always keep ourselves focused on the father and conviction is a good thing. Condemnation is not of God, but conviction is of God. Conviction says, Hey, baby girl. Hey, baby boy. You're, you're off a little bit on this. Let's, let's move back. You know, let's, let's not take our minds to that place. I need for you to focus on things that are good and that things that are pure and things that are right, right? Things that line up with my word. And so we have to always remember to keep God first in our life and every other idol that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ Jesus. We got to tear that thing down. Moving on, verse 27. This is when Jesus is eating with his disciples, right? He's about to go um, to the Garden of uh, Gethsemane and he's eating with his disciples and he's telling them this. It is the, he's telling them that someone is going to betray him, okay? He's telling them that someone is going to betray him and they're wondering, who is it, Jesus? Who is out there that's going to betray you? And he says this in verse 26. It is the one to whom I give the bread, I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon. When Judas had, had eaten it, verse 27, Satan entered into him. Okay. So when Judas ate it, Satan entered into him. When we ignore the conviction of God and we walk towards that sin, towards fire, right? Conviction says, that's fire, don't go near it. If we ignore that, we're walking towards the fire. We're thinking, I'll be okay, I'll be all right, I won't get burned. Or we're thinking, you know what? Just a little bit, like, I won't get burned, you know, I'll just get a little singed, but I kind of want that thing, right? And so when we continue to ignore that, the enemy just, it just seems like the enemy just gets a hold of us. I'm not talking about possesses us, right? As a child of God, you cannot be possessed, but you can be oppressed. What is What does that mean? Bound to the enemy and chains to your sin. You keep doing it over and over again. So when I look at this, verse 27, when the enemy enters Judas, when the enemy takes a hold of you, when you are ruled by, by your flesh, 
when you let your sin totally take over and you just can't say no. Have I mean, have you struggled with a drug addiction, right? And and you go to that place where you buy it and they're just like, well, here you go. How hard is it to say when you're there, no, thank you, I'm good, I'm gonna walk away. You were thinking, I wanna walk away before you got in the car. As you were driving, that feeling was just getting stronger and stronger. And you're like, man, I'm about to give in. I'm at this door and I'm knocking. He opened the door. He let me in. I see it right in front of me. How hard is it to walk away when it's right in front of you? When it is right there on a silver platter being offered up to you, that sin, that struggle, that thing that you're just like, God, take this away. When you are in that place, I don't know about you. Maybe you're a lot better than me. But when you're in that place, it is so hard to turn back around. It is so hard to say, okay, never mind. It was easier when God convicted me the first time when, when God was like, hey, you need to not be on the phone with this person right? When God says, Hey, you don't, you don't need to pick up that phone and talk to that person that you know, you need to walk away from. Right. And we justify this. Well, nothing bad is really going on. Do we really need to wait until like we are in the bedroom? Do we really need to wait until we are at the crack house? Do we really need to wait till we are at the bar with a drink in front of us? Do we really need to wait till we are around these people who are just not good for us? Do we really need to wait till we get to that place? When we could have just said no then. But so many times we have to know everything. So when conviction comes the first time and we're just like, well, ain't, ain't nothing really going on right now. Like this is innocent. Ah, this is, this is just good fun. Ah, this is, you know, I'm just joking around. God is warning us right then and there. If you're wondering, does God speak to me? Does God love me? If he's convicted you in that manner, he loves you. He convicts those whom he loves. So don't wait till you get in the fire and flames are all around you to say, God, help me. When you are in so deep and your flesh is taken over and you just, you can't say no. We have to learn to not be like Judas. We have to learn that when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, you know what? When Mary offered up that bottle of fragrant oil, right, that, that perfume, I'm going to look at her heart and not the fact that it was money. God, check my heart. Check my heart on that. I see that she did a good thing. And so that, that those thoughts that are entering my mind that says something totally opposite, a Yo, that, that was a lot of money. We could have used it for this, that, uh-uh. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. That is not of God uh, at all. God, help me to renew my mind. Help me to have the mind of Christ. Help me, Father God, to, to, to not be a thief anymore. I may not be thieving on the outside, right? Even though he was, but maybe like you, right? Like I may not be doing it on the outside, but in my heart of hearts, I'm doing that thing. I want that thing. God, help me to change. 
and he will continue to walk with you. He will continue to help you, continue to guide you into a place of freedom in Christ Jesus that only God can give you. Don't fall for the copycat. Don't fall for the fake. Don't fall for the quick fixes where 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 the devil just entices you and says, oh, you know what? This won't happen anymore if you do this, right? Like, you could do it. The bad thing won't happen. It'll be okay. Lie. That's a lie of the enemy. I'm going to wrap it up here. We're at 20 minutes. Thank you guys for tuning in to The Victory is Greater Than the Struggle, an ex-lesbian podcast with myself, your host, Jessica Newsom. If you're checking me out on the podcast, please rate and review, subscribe. I love you.